0: Ladies and gentlemen of Lafayette. The hammer Down Show with Jared Justelitis is Lafayette's number one sports show. Yes, I'm excited. He totally went to Jared. The voice of Lafayette Sports. The cream of the crop. Nobody does it better. Send us your thoughts on the text line at 765-447-4080. Now go to that voodoo that you do. Oh, well. yeah. Let's talk about on the show. Uh, we got high school football starting this week. I mean, it's just it—it's all coming together. Falls all coming together, baby. Let's go. Let's get started with need to know news. Here's your need to know news. All right, it's a tale as old as time. The Cubs have missed out on yet another sweep. This time of the Blue Jays, eleven to four. James and tie in three innings, eight earned runs, two strikeouts. Ain't gonna get it done. Dansby Swanson, he had a dandy. Two for three, two RBIs in a run thanks to a seventh inning homer, which was number 20 on the season for him. That's three for nine in sweep attempts by my count of more than two games in a series this season. So 12 times they've been in a position to sweep a team. They come away with three of those opportunities. Of the night off tonight, they're going to travel back and host the White Sox for two. Starting tomorrow, uh, it looks like your uh, your old boy there, Kyle Hendricks, the Professor, is going to be on the mound for that one. Uh, he'll take on Tuki to Saint. Uh, the Professor is just one and four at home this season. oh2 and one in his last three starts. The Cubs have lost. All three of those starts as well. Do needs a W. Good news is uh, they may get Marcus Stroman back for Wednesday night through a light bullpen session on Sunday. He remains on track to come off the I.L. and do that start on Wednesday as long as things seems okay tomorrow and Wednesday, said Ross. Speaking of those White Sox, they got swept by the Brewers, 7-3. No help for the Cubbies there. Dylan C. struck out seven and uh, gave up just two runs, but takes the L. that's don't come around. Andrew Vaughn, three for four. Elvis Andrus went two for five with two RBIs in the bottom of the ninth. Uh, Andrus, 13-39 and 39 this month. That's 333 at the plate with 11 RBIs. No, Luis Robert Jr. with that sprained right pinky finger missed a third straight start. Uh, Greifel said they hope to have him back for tomorrow at Wrigley Tim Anderson had the day off still waiting to learn about uh, an appeal for his six game suspension from when he got knocked out by Jose Ramirez ain't that something you get knocked out and you get suspended take some talent I had a thought in the middle of all that what was I going to run and jump to Oh, uh, you're uh, sorry, you're Chicago Cubs now. So, after the uh, damage from the weekend, Cubs find themselves three and a half back. That's tied with Cincinnati. Chicago does have two games in hand there, but they're three and a half back from Milwaukee who, uh, let me see if I'm doing the numbers right here. It's a four difference there. It's a three difference there. So Milwaukee has played one extra game here. That's where we're at. Brewers for the week. Good news for the Cubs here. The Brewers have got three in L.A., and then they've got three at Texas before they come home for the weekend and take on Minnesota for two who lead the AL Central. And then they'll get San Diego coming in uh, as well. So that's really the good news here for the Cubs is um, you're going to get the White Sox for a couple, and the Brewers have to go out and play the NL West leaders. Then they have to go and face the... Um, AL West leaders in Texas. San Diego's got a lot of you know power bats in the lineup. Uh Minnesota leads the NL. Don't they lead their the AL Central, right? They do? They're still in front of Cleveland? Yeah. So you got one, two, three division leaders over the next week that you gotta play. Then you get those bats against San Diego. And then you got to go to Wrigley at the end of August for three. That's going to be a real, real pivotal matchup. They do end the year with three at home against Chicago. And they still got another six versus St. Louis. Another three uh, against Pittsburgh. So the Cubs do have that going for them uh, in the immediate future. Meanwhile, I mean, the Cubs, you get these two against Chicago, Kansas City, Detroit, four against Pittsburgh is always good for them. Still got three out of Colorado, seven against Arizona. Oh, geez, you got six versus Colorado, so that's great for you. Chance to close that gap this week. Uh several former Boilermakers took to the NFL field this uh weekend. It seemed like none being talked about more than Aiden O'Connell's 15 for 18 performance yesterday for the Raiders, 141 yards. Uh, he played pretty much all that game, too, um, and was getting a lot of high praise as well for his performance. Payne Durham, two targets, three yards uh with one catch. That one catch, though, was a TD against the Steelers on Saturday. Jalen Graham, also in that uh, Raiders-San Francisco game, got himself uh, five tackles. Charlie Jones uh, made his debut at the Browns. Two catches and 11 yards, where he's Taylor with a tackle for the Chiefs. Purdue wrapping up its European trip with a 71-61 win over BK... Uh, did I just call it Bruno? It's B-R-N-O. Uh but yes, they get the W trade. Kaufman Rem with 24 points, 15 rebounds. Kayla First, 16 points, 7 rebounds. Uh Braden Smith, 6 points, 8 assists, 7 rebounds, 4 steals. Berg with 8 points, 6 rebounds. Jones with 6 points and 4 assists. No uh no Cam Heidi in this one. Which uh a little bit of a a bummer there. I had the whole report here just a minute ago, and uh, for some reason, I must have deleted it. Uh, but also, because uh, he was dealing with uh, an issue, I don't think that anything is serious, although we didn't get, I think, fully reported. Uh, we already know there's no Ethan Morton. There's uh, no Zach Eady on this trip either, because uh, uh, Ethan's dealing with a hamstring. Cam Heidi with a back. Miles Colvin missed the game with what the Twitter account reports as a passport mishap. And the game was also slightly delayed due to traffic. But that's where we're at. Boilers get the sweep of the European series. um, And uh, some guys get some much needed playing time. And they are on their way back to the States. There you go. That is today's Need to Know News. Let's take a look at some picks for the night. Who's hot in the realm of baseball? We're closing in on football here. We've still got a couple more weeks left of this uh, baseball nonsense, uh, and it's been getting harder and harder, I think, to find winners in baseball. Who's been hot right now? Uh, Giancarlo Stanton, six hundred ISO versus Max Freed. Let's go! A Homer in five at bats against him. He's got five homers in forty-three at bats. Against left-handed pitching. Do you love those numbers? Uh, Jack Sawinski in Pittsburgh. A 750 ISO versus Carlos Carrasco. He's also uh, got one homer and four bats against him. 20. 20 of his 21 homers have come to right-handed pitching. By the way, Carrasco at home, 1-2, and two, a 7.82 ERA. He has been terrible. Took on the Pirates a while back here, 4-2, and gave up two earned, a homer, and only struck out one. Cubs fans should be familiar with him because his last start was against the Cubbies. That was five innings, three hits, two earned, a homer, and five strikeouts. But those are the numbers on the hot hitters. Strikeout props today. Tyler Glass now is popular at seven and a half. He's hitting three straight in six of his last seven. The Giants are one of the worst, fourth worst year to date, and seventh worst in the last 30 days versus right handed pitching strikeout rates. Glass now ranks in the top 3% of strikeouts, uh, K's per nine as well. I'm nervous at anything over 6.5 at this point. That's where pitching's going. Like, they got Max Scherzer tonight at over 7.5, and and I could not be, like, more scared about that matchup. Granted that the Angels are terrible. Angels ranked sixth worst year to date, third worst in the last 30 days versus right-handed pitching strikeouts. But eight for Mad Max? Ah. You know, last time he's hit eight strikeouts? The White Sox back on the third of the month. Then you have to go all the way to the fourth. There's a lie for him to get over eight. He hasn't done it lately. Real good early on. Like, he dominated June. Nine, ten, two, eight, eight, and Nine. But July was 97677. 7, 7. Oakland's terrible. He only got six against them in his last outing, and that was over seven innings. I don't know, man. I might have to go under on that one. Fromber Valdez, Miami, second worst in the last week, 13th in the last two weeks. Uh in 14 of the last 30 days versus left-handed pitching. You need to get to over five and a half on him. Valdez has hit that line 64% in all of his games. There is another hot pitching target for you. That's the first game to pop off this season, two or this evening, too, at 640. That should be an interesting one. He's five and two at home. I'm sorry, they're away. They're in Miami. sorry, 5 and 2 away of the 455 ERA. K Wright's been a little inconsistent. 13-4, 17-3 in his last 5. <laughs> but the good news is he's due to go over, right? I don't know. The math says to take him. Like I said, it's getting tougher and tougher now. You would think this would get a little bit easier as you get all this data. But I feel like the some of the pitchers are really starting to fade. We like glass now over the seven and a half. That's going to be tough. I don't know if I can buy him, Max Scherzer over seven and a half. Valdez, eight, six. Uh, I feel like we're in the ballpark. I feel like we're in the ballpark. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back here, um, let's recap this week one uh, for your uh, local teams and your Purdue Boilermakers in the NFL preseason I'll give you some thoughts here. I, I liked a lot what I saw of uh, Aiden O'Connell. What, what about guys like Anthony Richardson for your Colts? Let's talk about it. It's next. You know what it is. It's the Hammer Down Show. 1017 The Hammer. 1017 The Hammer. Welcome back to the Hammer Down Show on 1017 Hammer. 1017TheHammer.com. I'm Jared Elias. You always reach out on the Hammerhead text line. At uh, 765 447 4080. 0, 0. Again, that number is 765 447 4080. Always love hearing texts from you guys. We finally got it back this weekend, right? Man, do I love having some preseason football. It's preseason! Now, it's not the best thing in the world. But it is NFL football. And uh, we got a lot of angles that we're watching here in the preseason. Not just with Colts and Bears, but, you know, we've got some vested industry guys like, you know, Aiden uh, O'Connell, Payne Durham, uh, Charlie Jones, Jalen Graham. We want to see these guys in action. And this is usually our best chance to do that. Um... Until Jimmy G gets hurt, I guess, which you think is an inevitability. Uh, look, let's start with your Purdue guys here before we talk about Bears and, and Colts. You know, Ain't O'Connell getting all the love with a nice little prime spot on NFL Network yesterday evening. A lot of eyeballs on him. He didn't look like he shied away at any moment, did he? Real consistent. They did a good job. Um, Took care of the balls. Seaton had the poise in the pocket. Only took one sack. 15 of 18, 141. Had a nice deep ball that got dropped. It is the preseason. They're not going to throw all the good stuff out there. So you really ask, where's, where's our bar with this, you know? I tend to find in the preseason that we will make some more excuses for failures, and will temper expectations uh, when things are good. Right? For a few reasons: one, you know, starters aren't necessarily in there, so it's tough to gauge. You know, but. Aiden looked like he handled the responsibility very well. They left him in there for quite some time. What really helped him out was, in his line of scrimmage, man, that O-line was winning for him. San Francisco was terrible about getting any kind of pressure in there consistently. So that was a great opportunity for Aiden just right out the gate. They set him up to succeed. So that was good to see, 141 yards, almost 8 yards uh, per pass attempt. You know, if you think that's uh, a little bit low, it's not. <laughs> I think we're at like 7.8. 7.8 would put you, let's see here, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, just outside of the top 10 at about uh, 11 or 12 last year in the league. So not bad. Jalen Hurts averaged 8 yards per completion. Tannehill was 7.8. You now some of these things, it gets a little bit watered down because you know, like Billy Zappi and stuff like that. But a lot of backups in there. But it's not bad. You look around. Joe Burrow averaged 7.4 yards per completion last year. Josh Allen at 7.6. You know, Justin Fields at 7.1. Aaron Rodgers at 6.8. I'm just trying to put this in a frame of reference because I initially go, man, I feel like they didn't drive the ball down the field a ton. But overall, I don't think you could ask for much more out of what you saw. So that's a plus right there. That's a plus. Uh, Payne-Durham, you know, two targets, one touchdown. Hey, you're making the highlight reel. I know it's right there at the end, but... You still catch an NFL pass, and it's a touchdown. It's a solid start in Tampa Bay. Sounds like Charlie may be dealing with some shoulder issues, maybe struggling out there in Cleveland a little bit. Just the two catches for 11. Jalen Graham, five tackles. I'll, I'll admit, I wasn't really focused a whole lot on San Francisco's defense. But hey, you're contributing in the middle of uh, preseason, and you're fighting for a roster spot. That's huge. Now Reese Taylor comes in for a uh, tackle. You guys uh, getting into? I did not get to watch the Chiefs game, but I did get a text in here. It says Kansas City needs Jones, or George's numbers may be going down. I didn't. How was that Kansas City game? Again, it's preseason. You're not out here going crazy. Did George even? Did George even play in the? I don't even think he played in it. Did he? I'm going. I'm going through the box score here just to see if he had any numbers. I was mainly just focusing. He did. He had uh, one tackle. Um, I was mainly focusing on the rookies. That's a whole another chestnut right there. Of course, his numbers are going to go down when you take a guy like Jones off the other side. I mean, that's a uh, that's a lot of uh attention and it's got to go to someplace. But yes. You know, as for your Colts and your uh Bears, I mean Justin Fields could you not have a better day? I mean, holy smokes, for the having the knock about, you know, the the downfield passing on Justin Fields, Doing too much with his feet to go 3-for-3, 129, and two touchdowns is, um, that's good news. Tennessee did not look like they were any sorts of prepared. Levis didn't look particularly good. 85 yards of the INT, and I'm sure most Colts fans are going, oh good, we did make the right decision. I mean, again, it's one preseason game. but he certainly didn't look ready to take over the starting role there, did he? Bears go on, they win that. I mean, the highlight's the two big ones, right? It's the two big passes by Justin Fields. DJ Moore's out here. One catch for 62 yards, the touchdown. You're feeling great about that. You're thinking, hey, that starts the gel. Look out. This is a dangerous Bears team then. So I think if you're a Chicago fan, you walked away the first one, say, hey, all right. Feel pretty darn good about that. I, just, I I I don't know how much Tennessee has got it. And without having King Henry in there taking all the snaps and everything too, running that's the thing about playing the Texans in the or the, the Titans in the first. Uh, in the preseason is, you know who they are, you know what they want to do, and that is, you know, beat the heck out of you with Henry running the football, I and mean, they're just not going to let him carry the ball 20 times in the preseason like that. So, uh, you know, what they do is out of character. This is not typically what they want to do. So that did not surprise me. Defensively, man... Yeah, they were bad but credit justin fields for exploiting that you know, colts they lose that uh, 23 to 19 of course all eyes on anthony Richardson. 7 for 12 67 yards and an int the int looked bad um i feel like when that pressure came i think the rec- i don't even know who the receiver was on that side but i think he should have bailed out of that route a little bit earlier and given him a chance and didn't. So I give him a little bit of credit there. Again, it's a preseason game. Uh, We're talking about how many weeks of practice has Anthony Richardson really had working with these guys, getting on the same page, you're learning a new playbook. Some quarterbacks like Aiden appear to really advance in this process very quickly. Some it takes a while to do. I'm not expecting the world out of him early. And if you've been reading the reports from practice, he does sound like he's been the second-best quarterback. It has sounded like Gardner Minshew has been the guy. And he went 6-for-6 for 72 yards. Took the two sacks. I don't know who gets the start. If it were me, I would be a little patient with Anthony Anthony Richardson and continue to let him work and practice. Gardner Minshew for that first, what you, you get him up to about Thanksgiving and then it starts to crumble a little bit. He's got a track record with that. I just i I would give Anthony Richardson a little more time. Now he could come out here and completely wow you over the next couple of weeks. And really start to put it together. That's 100% possible. I just don't see the need to go out there and have them get stomped on early on. I think you ride with Minshew, Jaguars at the Texans, at the Ravens, at home against the Rams. At home against the Titans. You know, there may be a stretch there where you've got... Around Halloween, it's the Saints at the Panthers. At home against the Patriots. At home against the Buccaneers. Where if the ship isn't... If it looks rudderless, that's a great place to to, to make the change. right now, just reading the camp reports, what people are saying, it sounds like Minshew's having a good camp. And that's not saying that Anthony Richardson is not a good quarterback. It's not saying he won't be the starter. I'm just saying early on here, the veteran has looked like the better option to get the start here. And the goal is still to win the division and make the playoffs. you got to win games. I know everybody wants to get the kid in, wants to see him succeed. He needs the reps to do that. But at what point do you say we do need to make sure we get the win first and foremost and the other guy's the guy that gives us the best chance out of the gate it'll be very interesting next couple of weeks. Of course, these two uh, uh, both the Colts and the Bears practicing together this week and uh, they are playing in Indianapolis on uh, 19th of Saturday, right? Yeah, uh, at Lucas Oil 7 p.m NFL Network. We'll see if that changes anything here. We'll see if that changes any minds. Then you'll go into that last one that's at Philadelphia on the 24th, which is a Thursday. And that's usually you back off the starters, you get everybody prepared. This is for like the last few roster spots and the rookies. So, you know, perhaps a decision will have to be made before the Eagles game on know, which way they're going to start preparing for. Is it going to be Minshew or are they going to go ahead and throw the rookie out there? I would think it's Minshew, but that's an educated guess. But overall, I, I, I didn't think Richardson did a poor job. I think it's about what I expected out of a a, a rookie who's only started so much at Florida, who's trying to pick up an NFL playbook in in. Get going. There is that little bit of difference between him and Aiden O'Connell. Aiden started how many games at Purdue? So I have a little bit of a higher bar game one for Aiden O'Connell because of his level of experience versus what you do with Anthony Richardson. It's a preseason game. I think that's being reasonable. Again, we tend to be more generous on the poor starts. And we tend to temper the expectations of the really great ones. It's what we do in the preseason. We're going to take another break. Come back. Hey, more hammer down show is next. We do have the AP college football poll. It is out. We'll discuss that more next here on the Hammerdown show. 101.7 The Hammer. Hey, welcome back to the Hammerdown show on 101.7 The Hammer. 101.7 TheHammer.com. I'm Jared Just. Let us the AP ballot poll. It's out for uh, college football. When the coaches pull, right? We know sometimes uh, that stuff is what it is. But now, come on, the real important people have voted AP voters. Georgia with 60 of 63 first place votes. Sits at number one. Uh, Michigan at two, Ohio State at three. Michigan has uh, two first place, and Ohio State with one. You can thank Reese Davis and a guy in Austin for Michigan. And you think thank a guy in College Station, Texas for Ohio State's vote. Alabama coming in at four. LSU at five. interesting thing about two, three, and four, Michigan, Ohio State, and Alabama, nobody has all three of those. The lowest they are by anybody is seventh, which is, I don't know, just weird. It's weird to me. Uh, future Big Ten football program USC coming in at sixth. Penn State at seven. Florida State eight, Clemson nine, Washington. Another future Big Ten program in at number 10. And the programs of interest, uh, Notre Dame at 13. Future Big Ten program, Oregon in at 15. Wisconsin 19th. Iowa in at 25. UCLA, Future Big Ten program 28th. They got votes. Jeff Brom's Louisville team ends up in 34th with 10 points. Brett McMurphy actually has him up at 16th. That's the only vote that they got for the top 25. Brett McMurphy, 62 of 63. Had him out. More people put Troy into their top 25 ballot than they did Louisville. And they're both sitting at 34. Go figure. Uh, Minnesota got uh, three people to put them on a ballot. They're at thirty-seventh. They got six points. Uh, Illinois got uh, two people to put them on a ballot. That was good for 42nd. So they also got votes. That's the Big Ten. I always find the first couple of weeks in the uh, in the ballot to be rather pointless I mean you're guessing essentially here you're going off what you saw last year then you're looking up at uh, what kind of recruiting class you had coming in and you're making some educated guesses. Who fills what spots and how it works? And I hate it because the higher you start, the more leeway you will get when you have that loss at the end of the season, right? Because if you're Georgia now and you lose... You're going to have a much better chance than, what, a uh, a one-loss Wisconsin who starts at 19, moving up the charts? Because that's the way that it works. I think anything b- before the first three, four weeks is almost irrelevant. I really do. Because you just don't know. None of the 63 voters, right? We're talking sixty-three of these guys and gals, they're not all getting out to camps. You know they're they're not doing in-depth. They're not calling whoever covers Troy. I mean, like, hey, listen, should I? Is this worth it to get these guys in here? What do you think? And. It- doesn't make a lick of sense to me. But we do it early on because, well, uh, you know, TV likes it, right? You gotta know if you've got two good teams out here. Uh, you know, the gamblers like it. Wonder if the spread should really be that far apart. But you just. It, You don't know. They don't know. I don't understand why we do it. I just don't. Not this early, at least. It's actually watch teams play, and then we can rank them. Crazy idea, right? right, We're going to take another break here. We're going to come back, wrap up the Hammerdown Show next for you on a Monday on... Hammer Now Show on 1017 The Hammer, 1017TheHammer.com. I'm Jared Jesselitis. You know how excited I am for this week, man. I'll tell you what. Uh, Purdue soccer kicks off their official season on Thursday. Uh, bowling, no. Uh, UCF, yeah, it's like a top 25 team coming over to Folk Field. We got high school football on Friday, by the way. Myself, Jeff Julik, we are back. and uh, We'll get that action started Friday. Night. We're going to be out at Harrison, 6.30 the pregame, 7 o'clock with that first kick as the Raiders take on the west side Red Devils that's going to be a good one and we're going to have you covered here all season long for that high school football just just as always as I enter year 50 season fifteen blows my mind that I have been doing high school football like that long like I think I've done what like eight state title games in 15 in 14 seasons going into year 15 and then just a couple more games actually down at Lucas Oil Stadium so been a heck of a ride very excited for it. Pat Chanley's on the show tomorrow um, and then we have Brian named Josh Rosser Wednesday and Thursday. And then you'll hear from uh, Terry Peebles and uh, Coach Shane Fry um, during the uh, pregame show. So yeah, a lot of stuff happening here. I'm very, very excited about high school football returning later uh, this week. Sad news. According to court filings and things we may have missed today, uh, the blind side may not have been wholly accurate. You remember the movie? Michael Orr movie? Yeah, turns out a lot of that was made up. I know, you're shocked, right? Or is apparently suing his former quote-unquote parents. Allegations that they never really adopted him. Instead, they tricked him into signing a document making them his conservators and then they pocketed the money. Like, even the kids made money off of that movie. The actual kids, not uh, the actors, the actual kids made uh, money off of that movie. He didn't even make money off that movie. If true, that's absolutely sad. Hey, you watch hey, look, this is why I would never sell my life rights to a story, because they're going to change it. Because every story is not good enough. It doesn't fit into a two and a half hour movie. They've got to flub some things here and there to make it fit in the narrative and make it entertaining. A majority of it might be pretty true, but not all of it. So, does this mean the NCAA investigator is the good guy in that movie? Am I supposed to be fat, bad, uh, feel bad because they're taking for a ride? What's next? you going to tell me that Rudy wasn't off sides? I mean, look, like, I never, I didn't have any delusions. I thought maybe the, the skeleton of it, like, you know, Hey, he was, uh, you know, very poor, homeless. They took him in, made him part of the family. I was willing to. I, I assumed that part was all true, but then again, we all assume that Johnny Football's family having oil money was true. We talked about that last week. What's real? What's not anymore? I don't even know. Did, did Coach Katie actually end up in the Hall of Fame over the weekend? Is that still true? Right? He did. Good. Congratulations to him on that. Great moment for him, great moment for the program. You like it when good things happen to good people? So I was really happy to see that uh, all go through. Of course, we've known it's going to be happening, but congratulations to him. And then finally, it's uh, Professor Manning to you now. It's Peyton Manning going back to the University of Tennessee as a professor, the university announced today that the College of Communication and Information has appointed Manning as a professor of practice for the fall term. He'll join select classes during the academic year as a featured expert and work alongside college faculty to provide learning experiences uh, for students at Tennessee. Why not? I mean, he's got the uh, Omaha Productions. Or uh, You ever see anybody do these uh, Manning casts, anything similar to that before? I mean, so he's a trailblazer in that regard. He's done enough marketing and stuff, enough commercials in his life. Good for him. Kids are going to benefit from that stuff. That's going to do it for us. We're back tomorrow. Pat Shanley on the program.